Hello and welcome back to the Stadio Podcast. Ryan's shuffling about his seat. Shuffling like Candrova's <laughs> feet. Shuffling in an empty stadium. We'll get to that. I'm Usa Konga. I'm Ryan Hun. How are you doing, Ryan? I'm alright. Actually, I can see you're not alright because I can see your right <laughs> ear. Your right ear is out of your headphones because you had a procedure done. Yeah, I had a very minor procedure done on Thursday. Yeah. Yeah. So I was feeling a bit sorry for myself this weekend. But it was good because it just meant that I, I was told to, to rest. It meant I couldn't go to Hertha Werder Bremen. Which wasn't the worst thing. I mean, it was a bit chilly that day. It was a bit breezy. But anyway, I was told yeah. to stay home for most of the weekend, which was good because I managed to watch all of the football there and was some of- basketball. <laughs> yeah. Well, the basketball was better than the football actually this weekend, but we'll get into that. So where, where should we start this week? Let's start with the Manchester Derby. But before we do, quick reminder of the five to follow with Bot Mob that we do every Friday on the site. We're going to talk about your games. Oh my later, God. And very, my- very briefly because they were the they- best. That was a long... <laughs> At one point, I was like, it's football broken. I'm not getting any updates. Oh, no, there's no goals. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, your first game was Brian, which we're not going to talk about. No. So we'll just mention it now quickly. was uh, last on Match of the Day on Saturday. Oh, my goodness. Horror. Anyway, let's get to Manchester Derby. Because your beloved Manchester United are victorious once more over Manchester City. I was scared to enjoy this game. There's this weird thing with Manchester United where I've kind of, you try to inoculate yourself. It's just self-isolating. Oh, here we go. Yeah. But this was just a very well-coached game from Solskjaer. So United win 2-0 from anyone that hasn't, no, hasn't seen the result. Two lovely goals, by the way. Two great goals. Really clever goals. Um, Marshall, the opener, beautiful floated free kick from Bruno Fernandes, who's been great since he joined. And Martial, who looks something like his own, approaching something, some element of his old self or his... I wouldn't say his best potential, still, his potential future self. Yeah, I, I still think that Martial has an extra thirty percent, um, and I think that some of that comes from him, some of that comes from the coach. I think that Martial's decision making actually—it feels—I shouldn't be critical. Let me let me praise Martial first. So, are we going? In, you just won two nil, man. Well, no, it's, <laughs> no, but it's not about that. Like, so it's great to have won two nil. It's amazing, obviously. It's the double over City, and every choice that Solskjaer made worked. The only thing I was nervous about was the double substitution at 1-0 at 78 minutes. Oh yeah, you tweeted about that, didn't you? Yeah, they brought in Bailly and another sub, McTominay, and I was worried that, that City would apply too much pressure, and they actually seemed to sort of sense an element of that, and they brought in Ogallo five minutes later, which is probably their plan anyway. They wanted to firm things up, bring Ogallo in, who was fantastic for five-minute cameo, and did about three brilliant things, and really united, absorbed pressure beautifully, they counterattacked effectively in the end, as it turned out. Mm-hmm. And the goal from McTominay that sealed it, beautiful. And Edison had been promising to make a mistake like that all game. It's a strange thing with these kind of sweeper keepers where they spend so much time playing football sometimes, they forget they're also goalkeepers primarily. And I think that's not a criticism of Edison. It's more because the nature of City, that they have so much of the ball and he's so rarely called into action. I think it affects your concentration. And also, you know, you're primarily an outfield player. It's weird being a City goalkeeper. And I have sympathy because you're an outfield player more than you're a keeper. And sometimes that can catch you short. Over the course of a season, you will get caught out now and again. Um, we saw what happened to Valdez actually at Barcelona now and again. Um, yeah, I think we've had this conversation before though, yeah, that when yeah. just from a sheer volume perspective of the amount that keepers are on the ball compared to what they were 15, 20 years ago, exactly. you're going to see more mistakes. I know you said that, you know, a lot of the keepers spend more time being outfield players than keepers, but I think his error for the McTominay goal it was actually him starting the play and he just didn't really see McTominay. So mm. it was something that you'd expect him to do better on. Yeah, yeah, that's fair enough. But I think he could have probably done better for the first goal, but 
Yeah. I saw a lot of people on Twitter when the goal went in just kind of going on about how Edison could have done better. And I actually thought it was a really, really smart goal and a really, really good finish from Martial. Hitting the ball like that over your shoulder after and, a quick sudden change of movement. And hitting it early. Yeah, it's a really, really tough thing to do. And one of the most impressive things I saw all game was actually Raheem Sterling coming in field because he couldn't get much play out of the right flank. That was one Bissaka's performance. To me, I think he was the best player in the game, only because he absolutely shut everything down. And he's done that a few times this year, actually. I think him and Luke Shaw were both brilliant, actually. I really, thought so. Really I th- I'm so, it's, you know, having anyone that saw Luke Shaw's horrific injury against Eindhoven and the form he was in just before that happened, just to see him back to some level that he was at before. And I think the three five two is such a great system because it compensates for so many shortcomings that are there and it emphasizes so many strengths in the best possible way. And it's, it's such a great configuration. And people have said, where would Pogba play in this team? And I think there's a legitimate point that Pogba would actually upset the balance of that team. If you look at the access of Fred and Matic, the real problem for Fred, I think, or for Matic and for Paul Pogba actually bought to United, they were both bought and then put in positions that didn't really emphasize their strengths. So Matic didn't have an access alongside him. Pogba was always a frustrated attacking midfielder next to Matic, whereas next to Kante, you know, or someone, it was outstanding, or a more mobile Matic alongside Fabregas, who sits more naturally, that was great. Chemistry is key, man. Yeah, it is, it is. Chemistry is key. You've seen it this season with, I mean, we'll probably talk about him a little bit later, but with Kai Havertz at, at Bayer Leverkusen, he had a huge drop-off in form for the first half of the season. Since and Christmas, think, yeah. But before Christmas, up, yeah. like heading into Christmas, losing Julian Brandt, who was A, he's basically like his older brother at Leverkusen and B, from a footballing perspective, those two knew each other really well and right. linked really well. He had a bit of a rest and he took some time out and he's come back and Leverkusen have been better and he's been better. And they've been beautiful to watch. Yeah, and I think this happens a lot and I don't think people maybe talk about it enough and so much of um, players' form, I think, is focused on them as individuals and sometimes it's just you're in a system that doesn't click. Like Even at the level we've played at, you know, there's been times at, at the side that I play for that there's some midfielders that I play with whenever I am playing when I'm not injured, you know. I'll, I'll tell you a quick story about that. I went back to training just before I had to have my little procedure, which is a bit annoying. And the coach said, sure you want to do this? Return from injury. <laughs> oh my gosh. And he's like, you sure you want to do this at your oh. age? Oh my gosh. I was like, oh wow. Wow. But yeah, this is, this is something that I've always had problems with when people discuss Pogba because it's down to so much more than just the individual player's performance. There can be so many things that, you know, for example, playing with Pirlo, at that stage of Pirlo's career was perfect for Pogba and it was perfect for Pirlo because Pirlo know, there's a lot of P's here, Pirlo know when and where Pogba wanted the ball but also Pogba really looked up to Pirlo as a, as a player right? and then you, you transition that dynamic from a footballing sense and also maybe like a, um, a dressing room balance or hierarchy if you like and then you plunge Pogba straight into being the main guy at Manchester United, that's a huge transition to make, Mesut Ozil did the same thing Mesut Ozil's not an alpha. So much of the criticism that has been fired at him has often just been because he's transitioned from being someone who can kind of be in the shadows and doesn't really get a huge amount of attention to then being thrust into an environment where he's supposed to be the guy. And some people just can't do that. They really can't. We see it in basketball with like Kyrie Irving. It sounded a little bit ranty that, but I just think that there, there are always more elements than just this guy's washed well, or you see, you see with You see with Antoine Griezmann at Barcelona, who was an outstanding player and the configuration's just all wrong there. And you saw it actually, you know, coming out to Luke Shaw, when Luke Shaw got injured, that was really bad for Memphis Depay because those two had a superb understanding. Yeah. Just before Luke Shaw got injured, Memphis Depay was great because Luke Shaw would overlap, Memphis would cut inside and those two would just play between them and they would just 
nuking teams. So much of the strength of a side depends on relationships. These kind of small two to three player relationships or configurations all over the, the pitch. And sometimes if you take one out, it doesn't. You don't just lose that player. You you lose the accumulative effect on the rest of the side. Well, we'll say this as well, just before we go back to the derby. Um, with Messi and Iniesta, that great Messi quote about how in really, really tight games and really important matches, he always wants Iniesta close. I suppose the question looking at Messi now is who does he want close? Who is the, who is the go-to? Mm-hmm. Because that's the problem. Actually, it's more like Brathwaite than anyone else. They, those two have chemistry. They play together for like three or four games. They have more chemistry than half that Barca team. That yeah. made, which is I mean, we've, we've said this before that I think that's why, even though it's not his strongest position, that they want Dion close to Messi yeah. at the moment because he's the closest thing that they can maybe see to filling that role that Iniesta did for the Messi. Totally agree. But let's go back to the derby because yeah, I think Manchester United deserve a lot of praise here because they've they taken do. some pelters this season. We had a couple of questions that maybe you can help us sure, yeah. shape where we go. Okay, one from Quezzi underscore 20. How do we explain Solskjaer being Guardiola so often this season? Was the transfer of Bruno Fernandes enough to cause United to turn the corner or are there some real managerial chops at play? He's a good coach. The Premier League is full of good coaches and good coaches will catch you when you're substandard. And looking at this game in isolation, Okay, look, Aguero went off after an hour. There was clearly a decision, bang on the hour mark. So it's almost like you're getting an hour, whatever happens, we'll pull you out. De Bruyne has got a shoulder issue, didn't play. This was still a very good City side, don't get me wrong. It was a really strong team, but there was an element, I think, of priorities elsewhere. Yeah, I agree. So City went in at kind of, City went at maybe 85%. United went at 100 and those differences are essential. Also, Otamendi has been giving joy to United in derbies for quite a while now. I think Fred's one was a penalty, by the way. I don't think he should have been booked. I, I think actually think it was a penalty. It was a penalty, absolutely. Um, yeah. I can understand why people think it wasn't yeah. a penalty. It definitely wasn't a booking. I can yeah. understand why some people think it wasn't a penalty. I personally thought it was a penalty. Bruno Fernandes, very good signing at the time. We said this, very good signing at the time. Should have maybe happened months earlier, but mm. great, he's there now. But Solskjaer, like I've said before, Solskjaer is a good coach, but his ceiling is in sight. The reason I say this, first of all, all the credit to Solskjaer. He did an excellent job, really, really did. You can win big games playing this way. You cannot win a league playing without the extra 15% of building complex attacks. And this is what I mean, right? So there were a lot of times that game where United would run into, get the ball up front and they wouldn't build. And there was an impatience, a forcing of the pace. The ball wasn't circulating up front. There was a lot of great breaking, great movement, chance creation. But in terms of the construction of complex attacks, the extra 15%, when a team sits deep, and I don't mean a kind of city team which actually lets you play. The beauty of playing these big matches actually is that Opposition teams let you play their game because they're playing theirs. But there's also the Watford matches. There's the games where... The Burnley at home kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. You know, we've said this before, maybe in the podcast, or I've certainly said this before, and it's not the big matches that often decide the league, it's the small matches, in quotes. And United's ability, and this is the problem, they've often played up to the opposition and down to the opposition. And like I say, Solskjaer is a good manager, but I don't think he has the ceiling to outcoach a Klopp, a Pochettino, a Guardiola over the course of an entire season even with the money behind him. I'm not convinced of that, mm. if that makes sense. Before you carry yeah. on, I don't think it has to be a binary thing. You can, you can think that Solskjaer isn't terrible, yeah, but also feel that Manchester United should be going after someone like Pochettino. And it's, it's, like it's never been, this is the case, because I was already getting a sense of people saying, I thought this guy was terrible. I said, no, I still think it would be a historic mistake not to appoint Pochettino with what he's done, with what he had. That is always going to be my belief on that. Mm. Um, Remember, man, people were really unhappy when Nigel Atkins got fired from Southampton for it, Pochettino. Well, it was exactly what I was thinking of yesterday. The same thing where a manager can take you to a certain point, 
Nigel Pearson and uh, Ranieri was another one. I think the job Solskjaer did from the immediate aftermath of when they fired Mourinho was super impressive. It was. I think it kind of depends on what they want or where they are at the moment and where the goal is for the next season or two and then after that because there are other problems at play at Manchester United which we've discussed massively and this doesn't have to I don't want to turn this into a negative thing because it was a great result on the yeah weekend. exactly but yeah. I think basically there's a psychological factor with Manchester United that has eroded over the last few years that we've mentioned before and I think that a, a quick way to potentially get back to somewhere close to that is to appoint a, man- a manager that people fear and I think it's unfortunate for Solskjaer because I think he has had some really great results this season, but I'm, I don't think he is a manager that other managers will fear. If that makes sense. Is that and, and it's funny. It's funny. It's, it's not harsh. And I think what's also, and just to give praise as well, because this is a great result, so I want to sort of celebrate this too. Arden Agallo, shout out to him. He looked great just that short period. I was and really happy for him. Like, he's, he's been great since he yeah. arrived. Yeah, he's been great since he's he arrived. amazing. Um, can I say as well, like, the use of Brandon Williams, just so, ta- you know, tactically, Solskjaer's done a lot of very interesting things, which I really respect. 352 has been great. He's got a tune out of Lindelof, which has been great, you know, which is a challenge for other people. Um, Juan Bissaka's attacking is now better. And he's got Fred playing, you know, really, really good football again, which is, you know, it's down to the manager, but also down to the player, of course. So I just think there's he's a lot. Had, yeah, he's sorry to cut in. He's had a lot yeah. of injuries, problems to deal with as well and he stuff has. to juggle. And it can't be easy with so much stuff going on and problems on the pitch and then the stuff about Pogba and then the stuff at board level. I think he really, really deserves credit for doing the job that he has done with all of the noise around it because it isn't the same as a lot of other clubs. There are right. a hell of a lot of pressures on there being a yeah. Man United coach. A lot of credit has to go to the Man United fans as well because readjusting expectations would have been a really, really hard thing for a lot of Manchester United fans to do. And I think that this season, I might be wrong, so apologies if I am, but there seems to be, just from the general kind of layman's view of, of myself, there seems to be a little bit more leeway. Let's just play there. It, it, It's actually, you could draw an analogy between Lampard at Chelsea as well. Like, we just want to get back to ourselves and mm. play some football again and play football that's recognisably Manchester United. Yeah. Let's go to a break. Let's do it. All right, we're back from the break and a couple of things. We had a couple of questions about Jonathan Lako's statement and the lack of support he received from PFA Kick It Out. So for those who don't know about this, Jonathan Lako was racially abused by Leeds United goalkeeper Kiko Casilla and came out and basically said that he felt he'd not been supported by, well, no, he said, I haven't been supported by Mm. Kick It Out and the other organisation that they were to. PFA. And he felt like they hadn't contacted him. And this is really sad because... He said, one, one quote that really cut through, he said, like, having gone through all of this and the cross-examination made me feel like I was, you know, almost like a guilty party, I'd have to think twice about if I was asked by someone, their advice, another black player who was racially abused, I would have to say I'd have to think twice about whether I go through it again and whether I'd recommend they do it. And I just That's thought so myself, sad. Hearing that was just like... It's just not cool. And we've been asked to comment on this and part of me is, you know, obviously I have racial fatigue because I just hate talking about racism in football because it means it's still happening and also because I yeah um, it's like asking a fish to talk about water but sometimes you talk about water especially the water's dirty and with race in football the water is still dirty and I'm concerned because look I've spoken to people at PFA before about racism in football and the work they're doing and kick it out people I know some of them look I respect the efforts a lot of them have made and 
I know how hard people are working. And at the same time, it feels like supply is not matching demand. Mm. If that's what Jonathan Leaker is saying, the fact he feels unsupported, if we go with his feelings on the matter and his situation, you know, no player should be feeling isolated. And this is maybe a question about further investment um, and policy, because the second a case like that breaks, there should just be a procedure. And I'm sure there's a procedure for contacting, but there should be a procedure. And there should also be like the resources, yeah. that procedure. Because I'm not being funny. We've seen in the last few weeks that football is very, very good at mobilising support when it wants to. It's very, very good at getting behind individuals in the game with banners, all kinds of things, and people standing together and joining arms. We've seen that football is very, very good at doing that if it wants to. And we have to ask ourselves why it doesn't want to. And footballers get bigger bans for pushing a referee than for racist abuse. Well, absolutely. What yeah. are we doing? Yeah. Should we move on to some more positive stuff? We shall indeed. But before we do, shouts to Andrew Travers and FPL Dad Lad for the questions on that. Yeah, they're excellent. Thank you very much. All right, we've got a question from Jennifer Neal. Jennifer being an outstanding writer, one of the finest fiction writers of our generation. What did, what did love Jennifer ask? Roll next season is ending soon. How afraid are you? I'm, I assume this is aimed at you. Most things that Jennifer writes on Twitter usually are. To be honest, as long as I have Jennifer's love and friendship, I'm Stop not it. afraid. Stop it, answer the question. I, as long as I have Jennifer's friendship, I'm not afraid of anything. That means you're terrified. I'm not afraid. Jennifer, yeah. Jennifer Neal, at LadyGodiva83 on Twitter, a wonderful human being. Jennifer, what a, what a wonderful question. Just so nice to hear from you. Oh my God, you too. <laughs> They're not married, by the way, everyone. <laughs> She's going to hate that. She's going to hate that. <laughs> I'm fine because... Ronick season's never over. Cardigans are versatile, so I can have my shorts on and a t-shirt in the summer and just, just pop a cardigan on, you know, Don't for worry. the late night walk if I'll I need to. Sw- I'll switch it up. People aren't you know ready. I mean? People aren't ready for what's coming next. I don't think you're ready. How can you be ready if you don't know? <laughs> <laughs> One from Cesar Gonzalez, and I want to make a big example of this question. Oh, wow. Here we go. What did you think of Arteta's big roll neck energy pairing it with a blazer? Three flame emojis. Ryan, is it time to concede? Right. We need to stop this. Stop, this has stop. gone too far. Some stop. people just stop tweeting me every time they see someone in a roll neck. You know, it's like, funny. It's I, don't t- even, I don't even really care about roll necks. You started this whole thing. The funny is they the tweet that you. I bought, uh, yeah, they tweet me. It's like, I don't care. Like, I really don't care. Like, I'm not, I, I'm not actually as radicalised as this podcast makes out. Like, I'm just, you can be both, like, be more Addy Hutter. Addy Hutter last week was Ooh, rocking buddy. a roll neck with a cardigan. There you go. Living in the 21st Living, century. like... Year 3000. Acting as a massive example to all of you lot who keep tweeting us about this nonsense. No, they Do you tweet, know what? They you tweet, tweet you, you went full David Cameron. You're in your little, like, <laughs> podcast hut out the back having chucked this grenade of a referendum into Twitter and divided the people. <laughs> the fact they come for you is so funny. They never tweet me about it. it never comes All right, on listen, I'm going to go Shea Serrano on everyone next time. Anyone who does is getting blocked. And I'm going to tweet it in four pictures. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Thanks for the, uh, thanks for the engagement. <laughs> okay, we need to move on and talk about football. Yep. Let's do the Fot Mob roundup from your game. So oh we've discussed. Goodness. So we're not going to talk about Wolves Brighton. Oh dear. She believes Cup was won. Yes. Japan England. Not a great game. No, actually the US game was better, wasn't it? It USA, was Spain. better. England did win one nil. They did. And they've got the final round of games on Tuesday. Yeah, Ellen White with the late winner. It's funny they were. You see that game and you realise actually the intensity is just lower than Women's Super League because the Beth England didn't look as locked in as she has been. That's also about the kind of configuration she's been used and as well, there's so many different factors and the chemistry with the other players. That team, that front line should be doing more with what it has 
but all great, you know, great result for them. They had to win that. Mm. I saw Leah Williamson talking about the playing out in the back. I think she might have been talking to Molly Hudson about it. And uh, Molly said that she said something about there's a lot of re- readjustment when all of the diff- different players come from their teams and they all have their systems and then they come to, to the England squad. Yeah. This kind of configuration hasn't been, they haven't been doing the same processes for so long, so it's still a little bit new to them. I do wonder if there's an element of that with someone like Beth England. I mean, she's not been really had a look in. She wasn't even in the squad for the World Cup. Right. So, I mean, if she's been that far away from Phil Neville's plans, all of a sudden she's not, it's hard to just plug and play someone yeah, like exactly. that. Yeah, you exactly. Know? It's bizarre. And they went from a 4-1-4-1 in the previous game to like a 4-3-3 this time. I mean, it's, mm. my views in this matter are clear. <laughs> Let's say, what's the opposite of a Stan? Because whatever that is, that's what you're like with Phil I'm Neville. Not. You look at that talent and you think of what, we've said this before, someone like Emma Hayes would do with that. <laughs> with that group of players, it'd be night and day. I would really love to see Emma Hayes. Can you, imagine, can you imagine the Naus, eh? Let's move on to the Bundesliga game that you had, which was Gladbach-Dortmund. It was a good game. Bundesliga so. games weren't great again. Uh, Bayern-Augsburg was a weird game. Augsburg should have got a point there. Love Bayern's but, kit, though. It was nice. Although, was I, think it, I think people were making a little bit too much hype about it. Looked better on the pictures. It looked nice, yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's the 120th anniversary, yeah. was it, I think. So, um, yeah, going back to Gladbach Dortmund, I actually really liked this game. I thought the start was really impressive from Gladbach. Yeah, it they kind were, of it was like three stages. It was like a really intense opening, and then it had a huge dip in the middle, and yes. then it kind of picked up again towards the end, where Gladbach kind of realised that actually they might may have something to get out of it. Yeah, my friend is really nervous about losing Dennis Zakaria, the defence midfielder mm. from Gladbach. He's a big Gladbach fan, my friend, and he was like, "Shout out to Alex Sidorovic. Um, Alex was saying, "I'm really nervous about." losing Dennis Zakaria because he's our kind of new Granite Chaka. I mean, Chaka, for those who will laugh, listen to that, Chaka was superb at Gladbach. He was captain. Yeah, he was excellent. And now Zakaria is a kind of anchor who's superb in defence midfield. And when he went off, he saw the shift mm. um, because he really protects that back four. So Dortmund well. 1-2-1. Two, one. Yeah. Uh, opened, uh, Torgan Hazard opened the scoring against his old club after, what, eight minutes? Was Beautiful goal. Really, really nice goal. Although it wasn't really an assist assist because mm. Hazard did all the work. And then Gladbach equalised through the man, the myth, the legend, Lars Stindl. Holland was on the line. You could tell it was a bit of an experience there, just not getting out. I think if he'd got out quicker, right. uh, Stindl would have been offside. But, you know, a 19-year-old striker defending on the line. Yeah, there's a slight element. There. I was saying this as well with um, Holland of defenders now. Okay, like, he's in the building. The shock is wearing off and people are now learning a little bit more how to handle him. Not handle him, we'll keep him in check. And so I would say specifically to that, getting really, really tight for the first touch. Mm. Um, not that his first touch is not good. It is very good. It's just that get really, really tight for the first touch before he sets himself and show him onto his like, sort of push him onto his like less favourite foot. Yeah. So I saw, I saw a bit of that with the defending um, and it's not anything major because he's still Holland, still a great player. But this was a team that had a better handle on him than most. Well, yeah, young players, when they explode like that, they're always going to hit a, a like a period of levelling off because yeah. they're going to get new problems thrown at them. Exactly. And I think there's something that Gladbach experienced this season. You know, they all of a sudden, come November, like people hadn't figured them out, but people were paying them more attention than I think they would have done. Yeah, there's more respect now, for sure. Yeah, sure there's people change, you could see people changing the way that they would match up against Gladbach. Shame Marcus Duran came off the bench, must have some kind of ailment, but um, he looked good. Mm. Uh, well, Dortmund started Sancho on the bench, and I assume that was to do with the PSG game. Yes, absolutely. Week. Well, um, Sancho came on and got the uh, assist, didn't he? For yeah, the for Hakimi. Yeah. And it was a little bit of a nervy 
last 20 it was it got a bit it got a bit spiky in the last 20 minutes yeah Dortmund had to win that though that's the thing they really had to win that yeah they did because Leipzig slipped up in a not a good game against Wolfsburg really wasn't there was an amazing moment on this touchline when Wout Beghorst who is a big striker tries to wrestle Upamecano off the ball and gets no, no change no no no, no change no, no, no and he's kind of like trying to sort of scale, circumnavigate a Pamecano. And it's almost like, what are you doing? Yeah, there's a good point, uh, a good three points for Dortmund because the, yeah, Leipzig drawing meant that they went up to second. So they are four points behind Bayern with a classic to come in a few weeks. Leverkusen won. It was a good win for Leverkusen. It was, yeah. But the, I want to shout out Cologne because Cologne are, I think, second in the form table for the last 10 games, only behind Bayern, They've which eight is of unbelievable. Yeah, 24 points from their last 30 available. They were in trouble, actually, at one point, They were too. in big, big trouble, and Marcus Gisdol's done a really good job there. He wasn't really a particularly popular choice when he took over, but yeah, this run from just before the winter break now has been brilliant. They beat Paderborn 2-1 in Paderborn yeah. on Friday. Beautiful goal from Jonas Hector. It really was. I actually tw- I got retweet off the Bundesliga English account. Oh my goodness. I was like, the niche ones always work. Oh, right. What did he tweet? I said, uh, Jonas Hector channeling his inner 2013-14 Tony Cross. Ooh, that's good. That's a deep cut. That's really good. Now you know the formula. Retweets are plenty. He didn't follow me though. Don't worry, it will come. It will come. What are you doing, lads? It will come. <laughs> but yeah, so that puts Cologne up to 10th now because Union lost to Freiburg. 3-1, yeah. I can't see them going down now. I mean, there's 10 points between them and Fortuna in the playoff spot, the relegation playoff spot. The momentum's good as well. Let's jump to La Liga. So your La Liga game was... Barcelona Sociedad. Oh my, that was dreadful. Even Kevin Williams, shout out to Kev, was just like, La Liga was really fun this weekend, apart from Barcelona. It was absolutely dreadful. I was watching Gladbach Dortmund and I switched to Barcelona Sociedad and it actually was... It significantly diminished the quality of my weekend watching that. It was so drab. It wasn't a great game. But it put them... Barcelona won and they're they're now top after Real Madrid's defeat uh, in... Seville to Betis. The amount of work, it's disgraceful. The amount of work Messi is having to do. It's like having a CEO also being a CFO and working in the print room and doing the dishes. Like he's just doing everything in that team. And it's so strange because it's like, I can't work out his abdication of responsibility. I'm not sure if it's that. Is it lack of combination players? Is it Messi being poor? No, it's not. It's, it's the, you can't funk. There's, it's so, slow there's no combination this is part of the problem the players that were once elite for Barca at that level physically I mean you know Busquets is physically diminished it's always going to be a problem for him it's a physical issue it's not these players are worse in terms of their technical ability and their vision it's they cannot execute mm. Rakitic doesn't have the legs anymore Busquets doesn't have the legs anymore Griezmann is just a player out of position out of form out of system it's not fair on him People can say a world-class player should produce. We've said this before. You look at the team that we've said this so many times that I have anyway. France's front three in the World Cup, the first game they played, I think it was a, either Denmark or I think it's the Denmark, France nil, Denmark nil. The front three of Mbappe, Griezmann and, and uh, Dembele. Mm-hmm. Three outstanding players. Anyone outstanding players. Top 10 attackers maybe on their day in the world. And they couldn't combine because there was no pivot. There was no form for them. No, no runners. And I, can I say this as well? I, I don't want to go to a Barca again to critique them again, but if you look at the money, the Neymar money, it was spent on Coutinho and Dembele. Mm. One that's been permanently injured almost, and one that perennially injured, and one of them's on loan at Bayern. That is a disastrous use mm. of that oh. amount of money. 
I, I need to plug my piece that I kind of wrote about this. I wrote a piece for The Ringer last week. You did, and it was highly praised by The Ringer themselves. Yeah, thanks. Which is really thanks, great everyone. to see. Yeah, it was well. about uh, the El, was called El Clasico Exits, its golden age. So it was more about, I had a couple of Barca fans who were like, hey, we lost one game. I was like, it wasn't about Barca, it was about the kind of dynamic of the fixture. A lot of the, the thing we talked about last week. Yeah. But in there, I was talking a bit about the, the kind of Neymar stuff and, and the money and the kind of psychology of them losing it. And there's been a bit of talk this week about Neymar coming back. And I wonder, and I have no insight, this is, yeah, it's like I said before, I'm whatever David Ornstein is, I'm the opposite mm. in terms of levels of insight. But I wonder if there's a deal that might open up there for Barca, which allows them to offload Coutinho and Griezmann to PSG. That would be amazing for all team, all people involved. Well, because I was thinking about this and I was thinking like, how do they make it work? really, because they can't spend the money. They just can't. No. And they're going to have to take a hit on one of those three in terms of Griezmann, Coutinho and Dembele. Dembele's injured, so he's the least likely that they can flip him. If you're Antoine Griezmann and you've kind of had the career you have, I think going to somewhere like PSG There's would no seem shame. quite, There's quite no appealing. Shame. There's and then no you have that front three of Icardi, Griezmann and Mbappe. And even if Mbappe doesn't stay he still gets to play with traditional nines. He gets to play with Icardi. He gets to play with uh, Cavani. Well, I think, who, I Cavani, think Cavani will going in the summer, yeah. Atleti, isn't he? Yeah. But, but, they could, but that actually, to me, that's nice. That's a nice landing for and Griezmann. If, I mean, if Coutinho goes as well, the Coutinho thing is probably a bit of a, uh, that's going to be a lot harder to, to kind of manage. But I was thinking that if, if Neymar does come back to Barcelona, which I could imagine happening. Because they need that. They need that. There's no question they need it. They all um, need, Neymar needs it. Barca need it. That's my opinion on it. I do wonder if Coutinho and Griezmann would be the ones that they could use in the deal like that because they're not, they don't have the cash to buy Neymar back. Do you not like about this? This is the most NBA thing. This is the most yeah, NBA conversation we've ever had. Yeah, it's a full trade. And I, I love it because it's like we've, we're sneaking in NBA content by the back door. Hey, we're going to talk about my Pacers beating the Mavs. Oh my God, Lakers. Yes, hey, we are. No, we're not. This is a football podcast. Oh, no. Okay, let's go on. But Lakers Clippers was great. And oh I want to God. shout out Patrick Beverly for trying to step to LeBron. And LeBron was just like... I was heartbroken last night. I got home from dinner with my friends to watch the game. <laughs> Finished 45 minutes before. I was oh, like, oh, it was really good. Lakers man. Clippers. Oh, I was beautiful. I watched the highlights. Gorgeous so game. Good. Wow. Yeah. wow. Um, oh, shout out. Listen, shout out to Real Betis. Beating yeah, we need Madrid. to talk about Betis. Oh, my goodness. Because, and we need to talk about Sydney's goal because Sydney's goal was absolutely unbelievable. I think it's still going. <laughs> like yeah. everyone stopped because Fakir got brought down and they assumed it was a penalty was it Marcelo brought Fakir down Ramos was or Ramos? maybe it was Ramos I it was, yeah I think it was Ramos Ramos made two mistakes yeah on both, got a mistake on both goals and kind of Courtois just kind of stopped everyone kind of stopped and then the next minute like Sydney just whacked it respect to Courtois for getting a hand to it yeah but considering it, I mean, it was travelling yeah he shouldn't have stopped because you can see you see the replay from behind the goal yeah. where he kind of just stopped looks towards the referee and then the next minute he's like oh there's a ball yeah, flying you know what, at you me. know what he stopped though Ramos has done his thing again yeah it was not being funny when, that was a learned that's a learned response that's like Pavlov's dog like, <laughs> here we go it's a learned response like oh Ramos has done his thing again pause it's like stop Ramos time hey like, classic play to the whistle you haven't played behind Ramos yeah it's like we don't need the whistle we know where this is going <laughs> exactly, exactly. this isn't our first rodeo <laughs> as Jennifer Neal would say we know what this is yeah exactly <laughs> huge 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 win for Bethes really really big win I like the fact that Teo got the winner as well who obviously like, you know so Barcelona funny? I was going to say this there. there was a beautiful image at the end when Bartra and Teo yeah. and I'm thinking ah oh, the Classico was actually won a week later. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Agent Tay, Agent yeah. Bartra. But then Canalis was there. I was like, oh. Interesting. Yeah. 
there's a lot of players that have got stuff to prove in that better side. We have to go and catch a better game at some point. Oh, well, I really, really wanted to go to the derby, but it's so soon. And also with this corona stuff, I think maybe we should limit our travel. Shout out to Colin Miller, who's got a book on that, doesn't he? Yeah, the frying pan of Spain. There we go. Your other game, before we move on to other oh, stuff. One other, thing, one other thing before we get very quickly. Atleti Sevilla, very quickly. Yes. That is notable for one particular reason. Joao Felix is looking dangerous. Liverpool should still go through, but that guy's been good since his return. He's been really good. He scored again. He and did. got an assist, I think. So, yeah. The way Liverpool are playing at the moment, I would be... Slightly anxious. Yes. Slightly anxious. All right, let's go to your other game, uh, which was Nice-Monaco, which I have to admit, I only watched the first half live because I thought... I'm not watching another one of Musa's dry games this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> I saw Ben Yedder's goal and then I watched the replay. Uh, well, I watched the highlights after, over the second half, but it, I missed the good half. Some nice pieces actually in that game. I mean, it's funny because although, um, although they took, this is the weird thing as well, Casper Dolberg, who is now at Nice, which is a slightly sideways move for a player of that quality in terms of how he was hyped. Not, not hyped, he's just a very good player. Slightly surprised to see him at Nice, but he came up, popped up the very late winner. And he's got this, he's got both. Yeah. And Mon- Monaco actually some interesting pieces. Bakayoko's kind of a bit of a redemptive period there. He had a tough time. Yeah. I mean, he's not the player he Chelsea. was before he left for Chelsea. I don't think. No, he's not. And it, it's sad, really. Momentum can really, a loss of momentum really kills a player's career. And I'm not saying that he was overexposed, but I look at someone like sort of maybe Jeffrey Condogbia as well and what their arcs should have been where they've ended up. And it's a bit of a shame because they're both about 30% beneath where they should have gone. That Monaco side, classic case of breaking up too early. Yeah, for sure. That's absolutely right. I really believe that. No, I think you're right. You're right. You're right. How many of them, apart from Mbappe, have gone on to achieve anywhere near the level? I mean, Benjamin Mundy's got trophies. Yeah. But I think in terms of form and value... Thomas and Mars has been heartbreaking. I mean, people now openly referring to that transfer as a bust. Mm, That's a real shame. Um, Stefan Jovetic got sent off four minutes from time and then Kasper Kasper Dolberg got the injury time winner Jovetic is still only 30 yeah right I need to is Kasper Dolberg okay because he didn't really bear in mind he's got two goals in a derby he's got the winner in the third minute of stoppage time he was so chill about the celebration he was just a bit like yeah he's got the winner the finish for the winner was amazing by the way so there were your five games from the weekend I'm I'm doing this week's yeah hope you do a better job than I do hope they're more exciting (laughs) Uh, don't forget, download the football app. Yeah. Luckily, there was some great football elsewhere in the world. Oh. Yeah, shout out to Boca, who beat Gymnasia and therefore won the uh, championship in Argentina, the closing championship, I think, the Clausura. Yeah, they won. Um, so River Plate had to win, but they drew, and Boca had to win, and they did. 18 minutes from the end, Tevez scores a goal. Carlitos. Yeah, and the funny thing with this was, you see Raquel May's face. Right. I want to talk about Raquel May in a minute, but we had a, we had a question on this from right. Jess Malone at Soccer Sabbatical. Um, which is the biggest River Plate collapse? Blowing a lead against Flamengo in the dying minutes of the Libertadores final or drawing the final two matches of the season that a Carlos Tevez goal could win the title for Boca by just a point? Definitely Libertadores. I think this, actually. Because I think that it's easier to drop in a game like that, but I think when you do it twice in two games to allow a one-point victory, I think that that's... I would ordinarily I agree. I only think this is scale Libertadores just in terms of what it meant and what it means. Yeah, but I think because they won it the year before, I think there's an element to be played there as well. And like Flamengo, like you said, hadn't won it for 30 years. Mm. I think not the collapse, but the dropping points in the final two games of the season, I think was to do it once, maybe to do yeah. it twice. It's I think pressure. it's, that's kind of poor. Well, look, I haven't been following this league closely. I'm not going to lie about that. The funny thing about this was, 
think they went a goal down actually River Plate and then they didn't score. They, they mm. got the equaliser like, 35 minutes in. They didn't score for the last hour. Yeah. Just the elements of like Man United against West Ham in 94-95 season missing all those chances. Ninety percent of Arsenal games over the last. That's decade. right. But the weird thing about this is, Boca like played twenty three, scored thirty five, conceded eight, and it's funny because you see that yeah. game, you're like, you can see why Boca didn't score many goals. Yeah, some of that finishing was haywire, wild. It was really wild, as wild as the Bombonera. It was indeed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but do you know who wasn't wild though? Was Raquel May, <laughs> right? So they, this is right. Anyone who hasn't seen this game, go watch the highlights. It's unbelievable. So they cut to the beginning of the game. They're doing this big thing for Maradona. He got presented with loads of stuff. Tevez gave him a big old kiss on the lips, and it cuts to Raquel May, and he's got his like Urban Mate, you know, and he's just kind of taking a sip and he's pretty chill. Then when Tevez scores the goal, everyone's going berserk, right? Yeah. And it cuts to Raquel May, and he's just deadpan faced, yeah. takes another sip. It's almost like he's pissed off that they've got the win. Well, because all the, they, those two have this horrible long-running feud yeah. and they're basically like on different sides of kind of presidential politics and openly, they've both been openly calling each other's out for a long time and Tevez even said at one point, oh, the thing about Raquel May is he always starts talking. When Boca lose and River win, he always starts talking. I'm like, whoa. But this thing is so deep between them. And it's funny because I remember thinking, you look at these three players in the stadium at once, Maradona, Raquel May and Tevez and I was like, Thank goodness the Bombardier is not a closed top because a closed top stadium could not have contained three <laughs> egos. I wow. Mean, if you look at football. That's a sitcom waiting if, to If you look at Argentina's right there, right? periodic table, imagine that each football is an element. Those three are like three of the most powerful elements. Like yeah. we, sh- we should almost do that, shouldn't we? Like Raquel May, Maradona, who are the footballers in Argentina's periodic table? Like we need to do like who's an element and who's not. Like Imar is definitely an element, right? Yeah. Juan Pablo Sorin, not an element. Great player, not an element. Do you know what I mean? So it's almost like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I want to do that. I like that. Passarella element. Huh. This could be a thing. Are these players elements? Wow. Sounds like you're in your element. Here we go. There's the new season. Hey, Ele- element season. But game of the weekend for me. Thank you for helping me to this. Thank you so much for telling me about this. This was awesome. Good Lord. Right. If anyone hasn't watched this game, go and watch Pumas Club America from the Liga MX. First of all, two wonderful kits apart from the sponsors, which ruin everything. But Even the mascots, the mascots were so lovely. Three all draw. Absolutely amazing. There's 10 minute highlights on YouTube and the commentary is glorious. It was everything you could want from a game. I mean, I've just spoiled the result for you. So I'm going to say that the equaliser came in the third minute of four stoppage time minutes and Ochoa was up. Ochoa was wearing number six, by the way. I love Ochoa. Goalkeeper. I love that guy so much. Two great kits, unbelievable game, and also just the squad numbers on show. So you had, yeah, Ochoa in goal wearing number six, which I love, but Marco Garcia for Pumas wearing 193. <laughs> Incredible. That is so, wow. That game was touched by something special. I also didn't realise that Pumas have a player called Andres Iniestra. Whoa. Yeah. I didn't know that. That's why. I did know that. But also just the atmosphere, 52,000 in that capacity. It was just, stadium. honestly, I mean, I don't know a huge amount about Liga MX at all, but honestly, this was such an unbelievable game of football. It got me thinking, why don't I watch these leagues more often? Mm. Maybe that's a, you know, I should branch out. Um, apologies to people who asked about our thoughts about the coronavirus stuff. Maybe we'll do that Thursday because we've gone on quite a bit today. Yeah. We're going to do a Champions League podcast Thursday morning. Yeah. And that'll give us a little bit more time to go into it. And also, hopefully by then, because there's been some noises about what's going to happen in the Bundesliga. And I just get the feeling that the next couple of days might, we might get more clarity on what's going to happen. In terms of coronavirus, yeah. Um, In terms of how it's going to relate to football. But yeah, shouts to 
Yasmina Banachuk and Siren119 who sent in questions. Can about I quickly that? embarrass Yasmina? She sent me a poetry collection to look over this week for her, maybe to give her a quote, and it blew me away. It's absolutely amazing. So not only a great uh, supporter of Cologne, but a fantastic poet. We didn't talk about the Derby d'Italia. We didn't. Should oh we talk God. about it really quickly? We have to talk about right, it. Let's talk about it really quickly, right? 2 0. Yeah. Juve. Ramsey. Who got the, the second? Dybala with a oh, beauty. Yeah, with an absolute beauty. Really weird to watch because of the empty stadium. Just very, very quickly, Dybala's goal reminded me of Marcelo Salas, peak Marcelo Salas. Yeah. Gorgeous goal. But Inter just. Uh, this is the problem with these challenging teams in the big leagues. They're just not up to it. Like, but I thought Inter played some good stuff, though. They did, but this is the problem. Like, this has just been a thing with them that I love. Like so much of what Conte's done, and I think that it maybe is about the pieces that he's got. Yeah, they're just the, the talent level is a cut beneath Juventus. I think it's talent. I think if you reversed the squads they have at their disposal, Juve would be further ahead. Um, and I think that Conte has managed them to their optimal level. I just think Juventus are too good. I just think they're too good. It was weird as hell watching the empty stadium, though. It was so weird. I was kind of hypnotized. Apart from. Then they kept the goal music, so it was really quiet and, you know, you could hear everything. Like I said on that tweet, Kandreva's shuffling feet, and then all of a sudden it was like, song two played really loud. <laughs> so weird. The win put Juve back on top by a point over Lazio. Inter are now, even if they win their game in hand, they're still going to be six points behind Juve, so I think they're kind of done. I mean, but we don't know what's going to happen with Serie I might get suspended. Yeah. We don't know. They're, they're talking about potentially suspending it soon. But one thing this weekend showed to me in Serie A is that Lazio are the coming force. They're the ones, really. Yeah, they're super impressive. Yeah. Um, right, let's get out of here. Uh, don't forget to check five to follow. Well, actually, we'll remind you again on the Thursday podcast. We're we going to do one on the Champions League. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Stadio. You can follow us on Instagram at Stadio Football. The website is stadio.football. And we're playing out this week with Christy Essie and a Bokwi track called Rumours. This is funky as hell. It's a great tune. Uh, don't forget, if you do listen to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, give us a rating and a review. It really helps us grow the podcast. Bastard. <laughs> I just love doing that. No, it's like when you're allowed, you're allowed to press a button, you allow a kid to press a button. It's like that. <laughs> it's like the baby Yoda meme. He yeah, keeps pressing like, the button. Yeah, it's grow like, the podcast. And I just have to pick you up and move you. <laughs> right, we'll be back on Thursday. See you there.